Thank you, Father. Today, just put a hammer on our complacency today, Father. After this message, never let us get complacent again, Father. After this message, Father, let us live and breathe in the fear of the Lord, Father. Not the fear of the devil, not the fear of man, Father, not the fear of what the system can do, but the fear of the Lord, Father. Fear of being apart from you, Father. Fear of not going the way you're telling us to go. Fear of doing things that are outside of your will and in our will, Father. We need your fire right now, God, because this is important. This day right here is important. You know why? Because any day Jesus can come back. He can come back tomorrow. And when he doesn't, if he doesn't come tomorrow, the next day will be as important. And it's getting more important the day we go on because he's coming back. And we thank you, Father, that there is a day that we're looking towards. There is a day, Father, that we're going to stand before you, Father. This isn't a Christian lie where we automatically get into heaven because we said the prayer. This isn't a Christian lie because we, got, we all of a sudden believe in Jesus and we hold our belief to ourselves that we're automatically going to heaven. Believing doesn't get you in heaven. Believing opens the door to heaven, but you have to walk through. We thank you, Father. This message is called Judgment Day. Judgment Day. And many people think that the day, there's going to be a day where we all stand before God. No matter, it says the small, the great, the powerful, whatever. We're gonna, I'm gonna, before I get into this message, I want to prove to you that it's because many people think that the judgment day, judgment day or the judgment seat is just for people in the world or just the people that are not Christian, but that's not actually the case. Because you know, you know why people believe that? Because they believe they've been sold a lie that they're automatically, it's, they're automatically saved, they're automatically done for, they're sealed in. So they're like, well, how could there be a judgment day if I'm already guaranteed, but it says endure till the end. And then I found in Revelation 3, just a couple days ago, and I showed my wife where it says, whoever does my will, it says it plain like that, whoever does my will until the end will be crowned with the crown of life. And how many of you know that the crown of life is, is the crown of having eternity with him? So it's not just everybody is going to stand, but this message is going to put us in the fear of the Lord. Because the fact that we have that day before us, and it's not the fear of like religion where it's like, oh my God, I can't, I, I got to watch what I do. But it's the fear of keeping our heart pure before Him. It's the fear of because we don't want to be, not just because of that day, but also because we want to be in Him. Because if you're not, if, why would you be here if you don't want to be in Him right now? But so many people are coming to the church because they want to be in Him one day. So they do their little thing. They come to church every now and then. They, they uh, you know, agree with people, agree with their family, friends, or co-workers, whoever's preaching to them and say, yeah, 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 I believe it all. But they're just living for that day. But they don't know that that day they're going to be, their eyeballs are going to come out of their eye sockets because they're going to be scared out of their mind because then the reality of the life that they were supposed to be living, they weren't living. But I want to prove to you, first, in Revelations 20, 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne judge. Then I saw a great white throne. It doesn't say judgment. It just says white throne. And him who was seated on it, from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. I saw the dead, meaning, and what he means by the dead, he doesn't mean the dead as in, in the flesh, but the dead as in those that are dead. Like, at that, uh, you know, there's, in that day, there's going to be people that are living at the time. 
that will be called up to the judgment seat, and then there'll be people that cut right that he rises from the dead, and it even says he pulls people from Hades. Then another book was opened. Oh no, hold on, I've skipped the part. And I saw the dead, great, small, great and small, standing before the throne. The books were open. Then another book was open, which is the book of life. And we obviously know the Lamb's book of life. That's it. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. So even the people that have passed away, whether they were revivalists or whether they were in the world, they were judged. Doesn't mean, judge, judgment doesn't automatically mean hell. He's saying judged as in when God says people, for some reason in the religious system, people think the word judge or judgment means hell or means something bad. But judge, judgment can be a good thing for you if you're obeying him. See, this message today, this can, you can be rejoicing over this or you can be condemned over this because what life are you living right now? What, where are you going? People, people in, the, in some churches out there, they don't get the fear of the Lord over this because they're like, well, that's not true. I got eternal security. And then some lady last night on Facebook was trying to tag me and saying all this stuff, but then she's like, and, and uh, something about, and uh, you, we have to stop preaching against eternal security, but... Eternal security is true when we're in obedience, but they want eternal security to be, boom, it's no matter what, we're sealed in the Holy Ghost. And I have another word coming out about being sealed. It doesn't necessarily mean sealed as in you're automatically in. It means that the Holy Ghost is, is in you now. It doesn't, so I'm going to elaborate on that more in another word, but it does not, it does not mean, and as we go through each one of these uh, chapters or one of these uh, verses, you're going to see even how Paul and Peter and all these guys are talking about, he's telling the church, the one that talked about the same one that said, um, uh, you know, John 3.16, what's that one again? For God so loved the world, yeah, he will give eternal life to everybody who believe or however it goes. And all the other ones, the one that says about grace, the one that talks about mercy and the one that talks about all this stuff, he's the, he's the same one talking to you here, he's going to be talking to you here about and this revelation one right here, this is Jesus talking, just so you know. So that's even more of a confirming than Paul. But even Paul was saying that you're going to have to stand before the throne. He's talking to the church. You're, we all are going to have to stand before the throne. But you'll see how he rejoices in that fact because he's, he's, he's clean. He's like, I don't got anything in my heart. See, and we're going to also see how God... People make the judgment about like, oh my God, if you did one wrong thing. But he says that, when we're forgiven, he blots it out of his, his, he blots it out of his mouth. He, he erases it. It's no longer. So I believe that when we stand before the judgment, if we're living an obedient life and following him, all those things that we've stumbled upon, all those things that we did will be forgiven. It won't even be there because it's already, he's already forgotten it. It says that he forgets it once we, after we've repented. But the question is, did you repent? I'm talking to everybody on YouTube and Facebook too. Did you Repent. What's up, man? So, people are, there's going to be so many people that are disappointed in, those, in that day because they lived a whole life of serving God, but then at the end, they decided to do their own thing, and then they're like, God, what? I, I casted out demons. I cleansed, this to, I cleansed the lepers. I did this. And then he's going to say, I, you, but you ceased to know me. So, it's a continual on and on and on. Are you guys awake? Because this is an important message. 
This, the whole church needs to hear this message. I'm talking about the whole church abroad because this message has been concealed in the back of their books and they don't care about it anymore because they've got their eternal security now. And what does the judgment seat mean to them anymore if we're already in? But they're going to be the most surprised in that day. And there's so many scriptures to confirm it because I can already feel resistance coming from people that are going to be watching this message because they, they're going to feel rattled. They're going to feel their security rattled. They're going to feel... But no, what are you talking about? No, no, they're going to fight it. And some of us are fighting it even right now because we want to be in, but we don't want to pay the cost that it costs to be in. It says that this is going to be a cost. It doesn't say eternal life. It didn't, when it says that whoever, whoever so believe will have eternal life, you know what he said eternal life actually means? He said eternal life is knowing God. He didn't say eternal life is heaven automatically. He said knowing God. So for all those who believe, instead of, instead of putting eternal life there, you can replace it with, will know God. But are you going to continue to know him? Are you going to cease to know him? Because those people that casted out the demons and cleansed the sick, it said then they cease to know him. So let's go back here to Revelation 20. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. So even hell gave up the people to be judged. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. So all of hell and everything was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Book of life. Are you the spirit of life? Are you living by the spirit of life? Well, then you won't be in the book of life. Because to have life, you have to be in him. And to be in him, that's how we'll be in the book. And here it is, Romans 14.10. There's a few of them. There's another one, though. Maybe we'll get to that later. And in Romans 14.10, you'll see how Paul even iterates to them. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? And obviously, you know that there is some carnality and spirituality being at war with each other in this church as he iterates a lot with that. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or you? Why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Judgment seat of God. We will all stand. He's telling the church in Romans, we will all stand before the judgment seat. So there is a day where we will stand. But are you gonna, were you obedient to the end or did you give in? And, and, and don't, don't tell me, oh, well, you know, you're saying that you have to be perfect and you have to do this. Listen, God is going to be the judge at the end of the day. He's going to, I'm not, it, it even says, where does it say that? Okay, here it is. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Let's go to this one real quick. Therefore, do not, do not pronounce judgment before the time. So he's already telling them, don't be saying this one's going to hell and this one's going to heaven or this one's this or this one's going to do that. Don't pass judgment before it's time because you don't know what God sees in their heart. Even though I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to tell you what. I just know what the Bible says about following him and obeying him and giving your life and being a living sacrifice. So I don't know what he sees that he will take a person... Maybe a person that struggles with something all their life, but he takes them in. I don't know. That's up to him. He's God. I'm not the judge. And if I can say who was going to heaven for sure and who was going to hell for sure, I'd be, the, I'd be God. 
And that's what people are doing in the church. They're saying, oh, you're going to heaven for sure. You said the prayer. You come to church. You're going to heaven for sure. But who are they? They're, are they God? So we cannot pronounce. That's up to God on how he's going to judge people, whether they, they did something or whatever. You know, they struggle with something and they made it anyway. But that's up to him. He's, he's the one that knows every single battle that we go through every day. He's the one that knows every single thing that we decide on every day. It says he knows the secrets of man and they will not be hidden. And one day, we're going to get to that, one day all the secrets on earth will be revealed. Every secret that you've ever had. I, like, okay, I mean, if you, for, if you moved on for that and it's come to the light already, I believe it's probably, and you're following, and you're a faithful follower to him, then probably be gone. But it's why, why even have them anyway? Why even have things concealed anyway when there's a day that, People, it'll be revealed before all, before everybody. Therefore, do not pronounce the judgment for the time. And I don't want people to think either when I'm preaching this message that I'm trying to condemn people because the word condemns people if they don't follow it. But this should be actually leave you rejoicing if you're really going after him and you're really following him. If you're really going after him, you're really following him. You can't wait till that day. Because it says that they will be rewarded. It says that you will, be, you, will, you will be able to become one with your maker now. That's a glorious day if you're left everything and following him. But it will torment you until you give in. And you know what? I thank God for torment. Because if I wasn't tormented, I'd be happy about being in, living in a sinful life. I'd be happy about living the way I want to live. And the torment is from the devil, but the torment can actually be a blessing. The condemnation can be a blessing if it pushes me back to him. So whatever has to push me back to him, even if it messes with my mind, let it be because I don't want to be in the darkness the rest of my life. And people say, oh, don't preach that. It brings torment. It brings condemnation. But you, you better tell them to preach that and, and stop your nonsense because it's going to get you in the glory. Let's finish that scripture. Before the Lord comes, who will bring the light the things now hidden in darkness. We just set, talked about that. And will disclose the purposes of the heart. The purposes of the heart. This is what God is, is, has been looking, looking at from Genesis all the way to Revelation. The intentions, the purposes. People think, oh, well, I, well they, they think it's about the things that we do on the outward. And yes, we have to be clean. We, shouldn't be, we should be free from pornography. We should be free from drugs. We should be free from alcohol. We should be free from all that. And that is, comes a part of the deliverance. But the biggest thing he's looking at, instead of the surface, he's looking at the intentions and the will of the heart. And guess what? If you don't clean your intentions, if you don't clean your heart, you will end up doing all that other stuff anyway because you're living your own life and he takes your hand off his life and now you're exposed to the enemy and he can do whatever he wants with you. Why do you think you're bound up? Because the enemy is having a heyday on you and God has no control over you and you've given all the control of your life to him. There's no middle ground. There's no, I'm going to be under my own control and not God's or the devil's. No, you're either under his control or you're under the devil's control. There's no, there's no middle ground. And people will beg to differ, but guess what? Look at their lives and look what they're doing. Look at the horror they're going through. Look at the demons that torment them at night. Look at the addictions they struggle with. It's because they are living by the God of this world. And who the ones, the God that you're living by will be the one that takes you on that day. The one on that day, your God will claim you. There'll be two gods standing at that judgment. One God is not even really a God, and one God is the real God, and the other one's gonna 
go suffer and take the ones that are going to suffer with him. But we, the ones who will continue to endure to the end, it says, I don't know how many times we, you have to stress this to the church for them to get it. I don't know how many times Jesus had to write in the book of Revelations, his last letter to the New Testament church, endure to the end, endure to the end, endure to the end. How many times did he have to write it? How many times did he have to say, who, who hear the, the, what thus saith the Spirit for him to, for us to get it and know that it's not, it's gonna, there's going to be a day. Then each one will receive, look at this, and it even says this, and this is New Testament, 1 Corinthians 4, 5, finishing what I was reading. Then each one will receive his condemnation from God. Then each one. So there's going to be uh, separating from God forever. And I don't know if there's, because obviously it talks about what we're going to get to. Actually, let me just go to it. I hate when this happens, but it happens. Here. Romans 14, 10, 13. Why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at nigh my brother? For we shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow. Oh, wait, no. Wrong, wrong scripture, sorry. Go to 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15. See? So you see here, you're going to see here in this scripture how even though... These kind of people that he's referencing to in this scripture, they may have not done everything their destiny entitled them to do, everything that God wanted them to do. They still made it, but you're going to see what the consequence was. So I don't know when he says everyone will receive their condemnation. I don't know if some people's works will be condemned and then they'll still make it anyway. I don't know if, and, and, I, and obviously, you know, people will be condemned and they'll be condemned forever. But I don't know if some people, but it says it right here. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold silver precious stones wood hay and stubble so he saw he before he I, I read this last night just so you know what's going what he's talking about in context he's talking about the foundation that he's laid and if any man come after this and build us a, a false foundation of a foundation that's not on christ or on, on its on its own on, its, on man's teachings in other words or man's thinking they will be accounted for Every man's work shall be made manifest. So every man, every single person in this room, every single person watching on YouTube and Facebook, their works will be made manifest in that day. Everything that was going on in their heart, everything that they've done, it will be before the throne room on that day. Look, he even says, for the day shall declare it. So that day we will be sealed on what, our, what, what we all did and where we are, we're going to go as far as what was actually God and what was not, and who is actually God's and who is not. Because it shall be revealed by fire. And how many of you know that when fire gets on something, it burns it all up? But when you have something that's strong, like a rock, it won't be able to be burned up because it's, not fi it's fireproof. Is your work on that day going to be fireproof? Is it your heart on that day going to be fireproof? And what he means by work isn't just the things you're doing on the outside of your body, preaching, doing all that. That's all part of it. But really the work is because people say, oh, we're saved by grace, not by works. But you know what? It is a work just to abide in his grace. It's, it is a work to follow him. It is a work to declare and decree. It is a work to do the things he's telling you to do. So those are the works that he wants from us, not works that we do on our own and we're trying to please God. We're doing works that, that we're, that because he's already pleased with us and those are the works that will be tested by fire. 
works of faith. We preached on that. That's the works that he's looking for in this last day. Not all the things that you do and you're trying to do this and you're trying to pray more and you're trying to pre read the Bible more. He's talking about the works that, you, the, that the Holy Spirit gave you to obey and do. Because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. The fire will tell you. It's going to show every man's work, whether it was from the devil or whether it was from God, whether it was apostolic or it was religious, whatever it may be. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort. If any man, man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. You will receive your reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. He himself shall be saved, but his works were burned by fire. The things, that were, the, th the things that he may have been doing, maybe he was trying to do the Christian thing. Maybe he was trying to do all that he knew. Maybe he just missed God on some things. Maybe I don't know what it is, or she missed God, or whatever it is. But God, some, God looked at the heart, and he took the heart. But he said, the, everything that you did, though, that wasn't even me. It was the flesh. So there's going to be a people... And I just, before I get into the meat of this, I wanted to establish this because there's so much confusion about this judgment day. There's so much confusion about, are we really going through it? Are we really, is this really going to be something I have to worry about? Is this really something that I need to be preaching or worrying about or thinking about? Well, guess what? When you think about this day, it will actually motivate your Christian life even more. Not only will it put you in the fear of the Lord and, you, and when Satan comes to tempt you, and, and Shane just wrote it on the, on the text message. He wrote, uh, the, fe the fear of the Lord. What, is it? What, what did it say, guys? He said something um, just right before we started service here. No, he said something else just now. He said something about the f it's easier to overcome. In other words, he was saying it's easier to overcome when you have the fear to, to break the sin habits when you have the fear of the Lord. Without fear of the Lord, sin habits are hard to break. Exactly. And the fear of the Lord will break yokes in us. It says that the fear of the Lord is wisdom. So you want wisdom? Well, stop denying the fear of the Lord. You want to be set free? You need to stop denying the fear of the Lord because it's one of the seven spirits. It's one of the characteristics of God. The fear of the Lord will take us out of bondage. The fear of the Lord will keep us from doing our own thing and going our own way. Not fear because we're afraid of... Well, that is... You know what, though? I'm sorry to say these people want to deny it every day, but part of the fear of the Lord is because he even says, Paul even says that we, we uh, what did he say? He said something about, and I'm gonna, I think it's in here, but I'm going to save that for later for something else. But he even said that because of the fear of the Lord or because of the, oh no, he said even the terror of the Lord, we preach the gospel in love. Because of the terror of the Lord, we, we warn men. That's what he was telling he was saying, so even the, 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 the awareness of, the, of his power and how he can just decide for us to go away one day or how, that does factor in. I, you know what? People don't want to preach that or hear that. And it sounds like an old time preaching thing, but it still factors in because there will be people that that will happen to. Well, there will be people that they didn't give into the fear of the Lord. And guess what? Then they will fear the Lord after he sent them off on their own. After he doesn't accept them. So that is a part of the fear of the Lord. And moreover, the fear of the Lord is the thing. Where, because when we love God, the fear of the Lord is really 
That part of the fear of the Lord is really for the, for supposed to really even govern more so for the world because deep down they do feel the Lord because they're like, oh my God, is, am I going to end up going to hell or am I going to end up going, what is going to happen after I die? They're always worrying after they die, always worrying what's going to happen, but that little do they know that's the fear of the Lord right there because they, were, they have a DNA from God that they don't even know about and they, they, even though they don't believe God, they still fear the Lord to a sense because they worry about what's going to happen in the last day. They're worried about what's going to happen after I die. Am I going to live in paradise? And that's why so many people, whether they end up being believers or not, they entertain the thought of God because they have this thing in them. They have this thing in them like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And, even, and it doesn't matter if they tell you, oh, well, I just believe this is going to happen when we die. Oh, I just believe you know, it's going to be darkness when we die. But no matter what they tell you, deep down inside, they do worry about that still. Every, I believe every man does it to a sense. Some more than others. And, and, and thank God for if you're, you're bothered by that more than others. Because you will end up bending and you will end up being set free on that day. But the fear of the Lord that we're supposed to be governed by even more is the fact that we love Him so much and, and we've tasted of the Holy Ghost and we know the great things about it. We have the revelations. We've been such in good places, joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. And it's like, how can we leave that? How can we be separated from that? It's the fear of the Lord that I fear of being separated from Him. I don't want to be, I don't want to be separated. I don't want to go do my own thing because if I do my own thing, I'm going to be alone and God's not going to follow me. That fear of the Lord needs to be guiding our every decision. Even when I came up to preach this, I didn't want to preach it, but the fear of the Lord. I don't want to be counted on that day that I didn't obey you, that I, wanted to, that I was too scared that I was a coward, that I were whatever, I, so, I get, so you give in. And then guess what? The Holy Ghost ends up coming up anyway, and you end up getting a reward, not just in heaven, but you end up getting a reward right in that moment, because when you obey Him, the Spirit of life brings life. You listen to, did you listen to that song that we just played? Listen to the lyrics again, if I, maybe if I play it after this, but it said, and, and it was prophesying, when that lady was singing in that song, she was, ta- she was singing from Ezekiel. From the book of Ezekiel, and she said, and this is in the scripture, wherever the Spirit of God went, the whirlwind of God went. Wherever the Spirit of God went. So what's dictating your life? Who are you following? What are you doing? What's on your mind 24-7? Is it Him? Well, then the whirlwind's going to spit you out and, and, and take you like a tornado instead of moving on your life and spitting out all the, the bad things, all the cancers in your life. That whirlwind is coming to wash, you, wash your life clean, but if it has to wash you clean, then I pray that that not be. Romans 2.16 And I'm just getting into a few more scriptures that prove this to you because and, and, after this, people are going to be like, where does it say that in the Bible? Where does it say that in the New Testament? Where did Paul speak about that? Show me Paul. Well, I just showed you Jesus. Then I showed you Paul. Let's go back to Paul. On that day, when according to my gospel, so everybody's so... Well, there's Jesus' gospel and then there's Paul's gospel. So, but I go by Paul's gospel because, you know, it's Paul. We've got to worship him. You know, he, gave, he brought grace. But he even said, by my gospel, God judges the secrets of man by Christ Jesus. By Christ Jesus, the one man of love. The one that everybody is like so, oh, he's so great. Oh, he lets me do what I want but I, but, and he still loves me. How can it be? But guess what? He's going to judge the secrets of man. All the secrets. 
There's no point in having secrets of man when you have that truth in you. There's no point in hiding things in your heart. There's no point in, in keeping idols in your life anymore when you're exposed before heaven right now as we speak. Every single person is lying naked before heaven right now, whether they're doing good or whether they're doing bad. They're lying before heaven naked right now. And God sees everything, every intention, every word being said, every idle word, everything that we, we every, every uh, hidden agenda, it's all being seen before heaven right now. The things that you do in secret, no, nobody's looking. The things that you do in your bedroom when, no, when nobody's home, it's all being seen before heaven. The things that you're thinking when people are, are thinking things about you and you're thinking something contrary, God sees it all. When people are accusing you, when people are abusing you, when people are persecuting you, but you still have a right heart, God sees that too. He sees that when your, your family is, is persecuting you, when, when people are, 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 are slandering your name and saying that you're a false prophet or saying you're a false brethren, but God knows, God sees your heart and you know he sees your heart and there's peace in that. There's peace in not letting persecution bother you because you know on that day what your heart really was like was like his. And those same people that were persecuting you, those same people that were abusing you, that were saying those things about you, they will be standing and seeing his heart wasn't really like that. They will see the truth about you, whether it be good or bad. Luke 8, 17. For nothing is hidden that, hidden that, will, be, that will not be made manifest. Everything that's hidden will be made manifest. It doesn't matter. How long you hold it for, it doesn't matter. It will be made manifest. You die and you had secrets or there's things that you were, were hidden in your heart. They're going to be, they're going to come up to the, to, to the throne room. Not in front of, only in front of him, but in front of everybody. Because it says that everybody will say, will bow their knee and say that Jesus is Lord. They will confess it. Doesn't mean they're going to be with him. But it says that everybody will know he's real because everybody will see him on that day of judgment. And whether they, whether they make it or not, they will know that God was real all along. There, there, will, there will be a day where there will be no more atheism. There will be a day where everybody will believe. Everybody that you see and know. But pray that those who believe one day, that their belief is effective enough to be with Him forever. It's not, people take that scripture, well, every tongue will confess, so why go out and evangelize and do all that? Because they're all going to believe one day, but yeah, some people are going to believe, but after that, I've, there's even been, I don't, I don't know how many of them are true, but there's been so many testimonies about people who have been in hell or whatever, and then they're crying out to Jesus, I'm sorry, I didn't believe you were real. I'm sorry. Because there will be a day, and even hell will cry out and be sorry for not knowing Jesus. What, that, what God does with those people, I don't, what, what, when he, it says that he brings them out, out from hell and he judges them, I don't know what he's going to do with them. But why even roll the dice? Everything will come to the light. That's the end of that scripture. And that's Jesus talking in Luke 8, 17. Everything will come to the light. The same one. He's saying everything will come to the light and everything that was hidden. Luke 12, 3. And I'm going to kind of shoot through these scriptures because I want, to see how, I want you to see how important it is to be exposed before God always. I want you to see how important it is to watch how you're thinking when you're alone. How important it is to not have a hidden agenda and, and hidden intention. Luke 12, 3, and when you think of this, this message, when you think of this word, it's going to drive you to not do your own thing. 
Because it's going to come up on one day, whether you like it or not. Therefore, whatever you said in the dark shall be hid, heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. There's nothing hidden with God. So why not give it to him? Ecclesiastes 12:14. For God will bring every deed into judgment. Every think of it this way. He'll bring every part of our heart. He'll bring every intention of our heart, every agenda of our heart into judgment. With every secret thing, whether good or evil. Whether so it's not so on that day of judgment, is he just judging evil? Huh? He's judging good and evil. He's judging the righteous and unrighteous. Mark 8, 38. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, this is all Jesus speaking, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So he's talking about on that day when I come, when I, when I end this all, the day of the Lord that's near, will you be ashamed of me? And he doesn't mean just be ashamed of his name. He means when I told you to go preach, when I told you to go do this, when I told you to go talk to that person, when I told you to feed the poor, feed the hungry, feed, you know, clothe the sick. Remember that scripture? Where were you when I was in prison? Where were you when I was hungry? Did you do it or were you ashamed of him? To be ashamed of God is to be ashamed of the obedience that you must submit to God. When God's, when God's leading you to do something, and you can't do it because you're thinking about everybody else. That's being ashamed of God. Not just his name. People will proclaim his name all day. But yet they're still ashamed of God because they don't want the spirit of God to be in, in, in flight. And that scripture, by the way, I didn't bring it up for a purpose. Because, I, because people take that scripture and they take it to a whole other level about where was I when I was sick? Where was I when I was poor? Where was I when I was in jail? And they think, oh, well, as long as I have my homeless outreach, as long as I... Go feed the poor, go visit a few guys in jail, go do this. And they, they interpreted that, well, they did good works. They were feeding people, they were giving the people, they were doing that. That's not what he means. He's talking about the poor in spirit. Where were you when they needed the gospel? He's talking about those who were homeless and didn't have a father and they needed the spirit of adoption to come, but you didn't want to come. Where were you when they were hungry for righteousness and you couldn't feed them righteousness because you were living in unrighteousness? He's talking spiritually and people take all these things to mean physically. And don't get me wrong, this, we go, we, on our outreaches, we go feed the poor, we go do all that. It's called the works of justice. But Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always. And he even told Judas, he's like, why don't we give that to the poor? And he said that, he told him that. The poor you have with you always, but me, you won't always have me. So he's already putting, even though he's not denouncing the poor and saying that they're not important, he's saying what's more important is me because on that day I will judge the poor, the great, and the rich, and you. So we need to, you need to stop focusing on your own works and do the work of God. Amen. And we take so many things. Oh, the, uh, they, they, they take, uh, oh, it says God, it says, because the, there's many Bible scriptures about that, about coming onto the widow and coming onto the fatherless. And, but you don't know. Do you know that he's talking spiritually? 
He's not necessarily, even though we have to do those things, there's going to be times where we've already gone into many countries where we've ministered to orphans and widows and, and gone to their house or whatever and even do it here in the Comus. But he's talking about those, the fatherless. Well, guess what? They may not have a father, but if their father's the devil, they do have a father. They may, not, they may be a widow, but that's because their husband, Jesus, isn't by their side because they haven't chosen yet. When he says the widow, the hungry, or, or, or sorry, the, the, the fatherless, he's talking about those that don't have him. And people don't get that. They want to interpret it because they want to be pleased with the few works that they're doing, feeding people and giving clothes, and they think, why, well, I've done my work for the week. They don't think about, they don't, God is, all that he says in that word, if you really think about it, the whole Bible Every scripture is a mystery. Because if we don't have his heart or his thinking on it or, how, or the context of his heart and when he said things, it's going to be a mystery to us because we're going to get the wrong interpretation because our carnal mind automatically assumed when he said the hungry, it was go feed the poor. And it's a mystery to you because if you don't have the Holy Ghost and he says he will expose the mysteries of God to the sons of God, well, when sons, are, sons actually follow him and submit to him and, and lose their thinking and lose their intentions for him, and then he gives them what he thinks about things and how he sees things and how, and when he wrote in this Bible, what he actually meant. The mysteries of God right there. It's not really that much of a mystery when you have him. But it will be a mystery to the religious because they will always take their religious context of mind to interpret what God speaks about the heavenly realms. It will take every heavenly thing and turn it into an earthly thing. <coughs> then Matthew 16, 24 through 27. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what Will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come. And there he goes again. He's, he, I, I, I didn't want to bother you guys and bring the, when he says this over and over again. But he says this over and over again. This line I'm about to tell you right now. For the Son of Man is going to come with his holy angels and the glory of his Father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. How many times does he have to say it? He's like, it's like he's screaming all through the Bible saying, I am going to come and I am going to judge. It's not going to be you believed and then you're in. I'm going to repay you for your works. He says it over and over. I will repay. He's telling those who, he just said, talking about those who will give everything. He said, I will repay you. And for some of us, listening on YouTube here or whatever, it'll be a good thing because we'll be rewarded forever and ever. And just being with him forever and ever is a great reward. But on top of that, because of his, the way, his grace, even more rewards, whatever that entitles. I'm not gonna, we don't get into that because what's important is now, right now and here. Because what you do today is going to dictate tomorrow and what you do tomorrow is going to dictate that day that we stand before him. And we need to worry about right now. Not about who's going to be kings in heaven and who's going to, that's great. Hopefully we all are, if we're really obeying and our works are not burned by fire, but let's worry about now. And people are like, oh, you're messing up the people. People are going to be so fearful now. 
People are going to be so worried now. Oh my God, they're going to go running with their heads chopped off. Well, good. Let them run with their heads chopped off because he's coming. Good. Let them. Not that we're supposed to be, because people mix that with, they think we're supposed to be afraid of the devil now. But to be in the fear of the Lord is to actually come against the devil. Because the fear of the Lord is actually a weapon against the devil. The fear of the Lord is a weapon against everything you're struggling with in your life. Because this walk is about, is about obeying Him until the end. Amen. And we need that fear of the Lord to keep us on balance, to stay in this line of obedience, to stay in the command, to stay in what He's judging and telling us for our life so that we would not step out. It's like there's a, it's like there's a straight line. He says, narrow is the way. It's like there's a straight line to Him. And He's just saying, okay, wherever that line is, walk it. That's your warfare right there is obedience. Wherever that line is, walk that line. That's all you got to do. But people make it so difficult. And they're off over here. Oh, what's going on over there? Hey, guys. Oh, party. Oh, look at that sport. Look at what's going on in the sports over there. Walk that straight line. Oh, my, there's my family. Oh, hold on. Hold the line for a second. And then they go back and the lines disappear. Because they've, they couldn't bury their... They couldn't bury what God told them to bury. They, they couldn't give it up. I'm not saying God's telling you to just be, then people take that scripture, what I told you there. It's so funny how carnal always wants to take everything you say and turn it another way. Oh, now he's saying I got to live on the street. Oh, now he's saying I can't even talk to my family. No. What I'm saying is when he's telling you to do something, don't let somebody else, whether it be your family, friends, whoever it is, take you under control and say you can't do that and then you disobey him. That's the kind of control we're coming against. That's when he says, go, let the dead bury the dead. Because that guy probably didn't even care for burying his father. Maybe he didn't even, maybe he was like, well, my dad's dead. But he, because he's so, so tied to his family, he's like, I gotta go do this. I can't follow Jesus yet. Jesus, hold on. But it's Jesus. And nothing's gonna matter because your dad's gonna come back to life and he's gonna have to face the judgment and you're gonna have to face the judgment. So these people that are controlling you, this message will help you today because if there's somebody that's controlling you, if there's a family member that's controlling you saying you can't do that, you can't do this, well, guess what? They'll find out on that day you did the right thing. On that day, all your doubters, all the persecutors will say, oh my God, he was, he was doing the right thing. It was me. And that, that will help you when persecution comes, when people are taunting you, when the religious want to say this about you. Then they will, it says that, it says he told the one church that I'll make them kiss your feet. They won't kiss their feet because God's going to be like forcing their head there. They're going to kiss their feet because they're going to be like, oh my God, I'm sorry for, because everybody's, on that day, on that day, every soul is going to be in the fear of the Lord. On that day, every single person is going to fear God. And they will come and kiss your feet because they are so sorry for what they did. They're so sorry for persecuting. They're so sorry for I'm not doing this to pump you up. I'm doing this to, so that when you do face these things, you, all you got to say is, I'm, don't worry, I'm just looking to that day. Because some of us can get so messed up when people say things. Some of us can, we come under control of persecution or what our family is saying, but it's that day. Nope. It's that day. That day is going to determine, oh, they may be saying that now, but guess what? They won't, they'll be, won't be saying that then. They may be repenting that day. That's the motivation for you. You're going through hell. You're going through things. People are, are, are bothering you. Well, guess what? 
They won't be bothering you on that day if you're obeying. And then, but on the contrary, why give in to their control? And then on that day, you'll be sobbing with them. Why do that? Because we want to live for the moment in that sense. We're supposed to live for the moment in the sense of following God. But we want to live for the moment and just try to do what we want to do. But I'll get right before it ends. Well, you may not. Some people do. But why throw the, why throw the dice? Maybe God, well, you know what? I believe that sometimes when people say that stuff, well, I'll just get right when, it, when it's come to time, you know? When I get pancreas cancer, I'll start repenting. But I believe God will even make them live even longer sometimes because he does things like that. Because he's like, oh, yeah? But why test God? That's people are, it says, do not test the Lord thy God. And people are testing God when they do that. And some people, they, they're on the deathbed and they do repent and they probably make it. But why, why try to be like them? Why try to do that? And I bet you most of the people that ended up doing that, that ended up repenting at the end, they probably were never even saying that. They probably just genuinely did it. But just because you repent doesn't mean it was genuine either. Some people are dying. They're like, oh my God, I've got to repent. I don't know what's going to happen. Let me do it just in case. Just in case there is a heaven and a hell, let me repent. But God sees the heart. He doesn't see your words. Let this motivate you today. And if it's putting you down right now, and if it's putting you in condemnation, just repent. If there's something that keeps coming back to your mind, keeps coming back to your heart, and keeps messing with you, that, that, it'll, it'll, that you feel like it'll be, come before you on that day. That, it says that one song says, Let it not be said of me that I have held anything from you. And that should be the, the, our, 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 one of our highest prayers. Let it not be said in me that this thing or this family or that person or this thing held me back because they're all going to believe in that day. Don't live for today. Live for that day. Don't live for tomorrow because it says don't live for tomorrow, but live for that day. I'm motivated. I'm not motivated by what I see in front of me. I'm motivated by eternity. I'm motivated by that day where he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the day. That's what should be driving us every day. And when that drives you, you don't step in the devil's schemes because you're focused, because you're driven. But when you think it's all said and done, you get lackadaisical and you get drunk with the world, marrying and doing all this stuff. You heard it in the song. Doing everything you want because you're like, well... I'm in. He's forgiven my future sins too. What's a, what a lie that is. He's forgiven my future sins. He said endure till the end. And he, and he was rebuking the church in Revelation for sin. He was telling them to repent and they were already saved. All right, one more time I'll do this. Matthew 25, 31-34. That's three in a row right there where he's saying the same thing over and over to them because he's trying to get it in their head about that day. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the angels with him, then he shall sit upon the throne of his glory. Well, Jesus is just a nice man. He won't judge me. And then, or the people that say, oh, well, you can't judge me. God judges me. Yeah, he will judge you. And I'm worried about that. I'm more worried. I'd rather... I'd rather you get judged by me than him because he's going to be more, more hard on you. 
He's going to show you what really is there that I can't even see. And you better pray that that was enough. And before him shall be gathered all the nations. All the nations. Right there. Everybody is going to be in one place at the same time. All nations. I pray that you won't be sobbing over this. I pray that you'll be sobbing over others instead of yourself on that day. And he shall separate them one from another as the shepherd divideth the sh his sheep from the goats. That's the day where, we will, where the tares will be separated from the wheat. That's scripture that it talks about. And I believe that God is even doing that in, 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 in smaller church sense in a situation of because we can't always have goats around. God eventually has to get rid of them or the goats start bucking at the sheep and the sheep become goats. But there will always be Unfortunately, to some capacity, there will always be goats until the end. But that day, they'll be separated for good. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand. Oh, this is the right hand. Sorry, I missed kindergarten maybe. But the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom of God, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. A kingdom that's prepared before you were born, before anybody was born. Will you inherit it? The kingdom forever. Mark 4, 22. We already did. We kind of... Yeah, we'll just read it anyway. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to the light. Psalms 44, 21, and, and you better believe that people who have discernment, who, who, who operate in high levels of the apostolic, they're going to be knowing things that you hope anybody know, doesn't know. And then you get around people, hi, how you doing? But they know that your heart ain't smiling. But they're there to, they're not, people don't discern things to, or at least the, the remnant, they're not discerning things to take you down, they're discerning things because they want to help you. And they're not going to put a smile on with you unless they're long-suffering with you, but they're not going to put a smile on to please your flesh because they know in that day, why, why do that? And then God's going to point at me saying, why didn't you tell him to repent? Why didn't you tell him the way? No, not me, man. I ain't smiling. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to confront him if God leads me to confront him, and I'm going to be willing to do it, whether he likes me or not, whether I liked our friendship or not, whether I liked her friendship or not, whether I liked that person to be... My, 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 whatever it is they are in my life, I can't let this go unsaid. And if God is telling me to say something, I cannot hold this back from them because then my blood, their blood is going to be on my hands. And it talks about that in Ezekiel as well. It talks about that there will be people that will have blood of others on their hands, not because of their sin. They may have done everything right, but they didn't obey God when God was telling them to bring salvation to them. When God was telling them to warn See, people don't think that's a big deal. Well, oh, I, don't, I just don't want to do it. I, I just don't want to tell him. I just don't want to talk to him. It's just, it's too hard, you know. But then that day you're standing there with blood on your hands. This is a hard word for some, but really this is a good word. Because then you don't have to be the one. People feel, will feel like, I tell you right now, people after this message will feel like it's condemnation, but it's just the truth. And it's only condemnation for you if you're living in the flesh. Because it says that, therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That, 
And that's the, this is the part where they cut out. That live by the Spirit and not the flesh. So, and to be in Christ Jesus is to be in His Spirit because Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is the Spirit of Christ. And so when you're not in Him, you're in the flesh and you, you're saying you're in Christ, but you're not really in Christ and you live in condemnation. There's no way you can really live or feel the condemnation unless you're in it. There's no way. There's not, it's not like... There's sometimes where people bring a condemning word and it's not from God, it's from their flesh and they're judging people by their own spirit and not God's spirit and you feel the condemnation but it won't be something that torments you. It'll be something that you, you want to you wanna help them out with that. So you'll feel condemnation to a sense where you're just like, no, this, what he's saying is, is not, it's not from God but then the real condemnation that comes to torment you, it will torment you. It won't be something that you, you'll be trying to rebuke it all day. You'll be trying to get rid of it and it constantly comes back to you. Constantly, constantly, constantly. It's because we need repentance. It's because you need to get in the spirit. That part of your life, you may feel good about every part of your life, but there's that one part of your life when you come around somebody or something or whatever the case may be, or you're at home alone and you feel that condemnation, that's because in that part of your life, there's something, there's some way that you're doing your own thing or you're doing, not doing what he's having you do. Psalms 44, 21. Would God not discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. The secrets of the heart is what he's judging on that day. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are... Hebrews 4, 13. I'm just, like I said, I was going to skim through this. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. See, right there. Hebrews 4.13, that's New Testament as well. We must give account. He's telling the Hebrews, the, the church, the Hebrew church, he's telling them, you will have to give an account. Everything that is going on in your life, it's seen already. And if you don't repent of this, it will be in front of, your, in front of the docket on that day. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Oh yeah, I already did that. Romans 2, 2, 5. But because of your hard and impatient heart, you are storing up wrath. He's talking, to, he's talking to the Romans. He's talking to a church. Paul. Not Jesus. Paul. For all my Paul lovers. Impatient heart. You are storing up wrath for yourself on that day of wrath. When God judges, righteous judgment will be revealed. He's telling them all the things you're doing on the side here. Yeah, you're coming to church. Yeah, you're a part of it. But you're storing up wrath by what you're doing. And at that, I guess I think that church was the one that was giving this sexual morality or, and, and have revelings and fightings. And, and that's why Paul said all that stuff about when he really stressed about the spirit versus the flesh. Because he's saying, you know why you're fighting all the time? It's because... Some of you are living in the spirit. Sometimes, some of you are in the flesh. And the, those two have different minds and they fight against each other. And that's the only way you can have a disagreement. Because it's one truth, one mind, one way. And if someone is opposed to that way, you're going to have problems with them. And that's why you have fightings and revelings and the works of the flesh. So then you will give account unto him, of himself. Let us not, 
And this is in Romans 14, uh, verse 11. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but rather this, judge this, that no man put a stumbling block on occasion to fall in his brother's way. A stumbling block. Don't put something in your brother's way that'll get them to be in the flesh. Don't get them riled up. Don't, if you, when you're in the flesh, you actually become the, a walking stumbling block to anybody that's in the spirit. Because you're coming in and you're presenting yourself as God, but you're in the flesh and you're, you're in the spirit and those two war against each other. And then you're like, the person that's in the spirit is always sitting there like, oh, I know what he's saying, but I can't receive it because it's in the flesh. And it's a stumbling block. And it makes you stumble because it's like, because you're trying to climb higher. And then somebody comes and speaks something godly in the flesh and you can't receive it. Then you, don't, then you lack peace with that person because they're in the flesh. Then there's always this contention. It's a stumbling block. You want to always be in the spirit. You want, always want to be, but it, it tempts. But some people get tempted to get mad. Some people get tempted to, you actually tempt your brother when you're in the flesh. When you're in the flesh, you're actually making it harder for your brother's walk, for your sister's walk. Because then they have to fight off the enemy when he's trying to come and tell them to get offended. He's trying to come and tell them, oh, oh, can you believe that? Because no matter what, we discern something, we see something in somebody, we cannot turn a, make our heart hard over them. Just because something's in their life, even the most sinful people, we cannot take our, let our heart be hard over them. We still have to love and long suffer. Now, love is God, so love doesn't mean like, oh, I always got to bring them cupcakes and, and take them to the nail salon. Love doesn't mean always just pampering them. Love means whatever, when God, it says, remember that scripture that Shane brought up? He said, it said in the Bible, it said that, and this, and by this you know that you love the children of God, that you obey his commandments. So when we love, it's, we're, we're actually doing what he's telling us to do for that person. Because when we harden our heart, God will not be able to lead us to help, to go to that person because we're already telling God, we're not willing. I'm not willing to talk to that person anymore. That person did me wrong. That person did you wrong, God. I'm not going to talk to that person. And now God, because you shut off your willingness, he's like, no, all right, so fine. Well, then now you're going to be held back from your blessing. And now that, that person's blood may be on your hands because you hardened your heart towards them. It doesn't matter how bad people get. Your closest friend, your, somebody who's been with you for years, stabs you in the back. You cannot get a hard heart for them. It says, bless them that curse you. Pray for them that evilly, what does it say, despise you, that try to deceive you. Bless and not curse. Do good to them that scoff against you. We have to, it says, it's one of the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. And if we're not willing to long-suffer with people that God is trying to take out of their ungodliness or take out of their darkness, then God's not willing to long-suffer with you. It says, and that's, that goes with the scripture where he says, if you can't forgive them, I can't forgive you. You can't forgive your brother or sister, I cannot forgive you. And you will be repenting and repenting of your sins over and over, but I'm not going to forgive your sins until you forgive their sins. See, some of us are, are sitting there, God, I'm repenting. Why is this still not leaving me? Why am, I still, uh, why am I still heavy burden? Why am I still in condemnation? It's because you haven't forgiven that person in your life that you struggle with. 
And therefore, you're gonna not, you're not, the blood is not going to work for you when the, you can't let the blood work for them. It's deep stuff right there. You can't be forgiven of your sins when you can't forgive them. 2 Corinthians 5, 5 through 12. On the last two here. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we having, have a building of God, a house not made by hands, eternal in the heavens. For if this, for in this we groan. So he's talking about in this we groan in the fact that we still have an earthly body, we still have the struggles of the flesh, we still have these things, and we groan for that immortality where those things don't even affect us to where we're just we're living always in godliness and holiness. That should be consistently a groan in your life. You know, it talks about that song that talks about the groan. Bring forth the groan, God, bring forth the groan. Corey Russell, whatever it is, he's, it's talking about the groan as in the groaning for immortality. He even actually says it in that song, the groaning for immortality. For this mortal body to stop giving into mortality and for this mortal body to get with the immortality that lives inside of me, to get with the holiness that lives inside of me, to get with the righteousness that lives inside of me because I do the things that I don't want to do and the things I do do, I don't, I don't whatever, how it goes, I don't want to do. He's saying the things that I, I do stuff in the flesh, but I don't want to do it, but it still governs me. That is what I hate and what I want to overcome. That's the groaning that I have is that I would mortify the deeds of the flesh by the spirit. So you can't mortify the deeds of the flesh. You can't mortify your flesh, the things that you're going through, the things that you struggle with. You can't kill them on your own. You can't kill them by trying to do whatever you do or trying to do your rituals or trying to do this and that. You can't kill the flesh by that. It says kill the deeds of the flesh through the Spirit. Amen. And I don't know, some people got delivered because they were proclaiming. Some people got delivered because they stopped going here, because God told them to stop going there. Some people got delivered from whatever they're struggling with because they put this there or they did that. That's what you have to focus on is, what is God leading me to do? It says that He leaves a way out of temptation. But we have to look at Him. And He will be the deliverer in our life. And by the Spirit, the deeds of the flesh will die. And a house not made with hands, eternal in heavens, for if in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our house which is from, God, from heaven. See? From heaven. Because in heaven, it's going to be perfect like Him. Well, this, I'm not talking about just our spirit, because our spirit's already there, but I'm talking about our, our, our outside being won't even be able to be entangled by the things anymore. And he says, this we groan for. If so, that being, if so, be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. So he's saying, even though we want that, let us not be found naked today. In the sense of, let us not be poor, blind. Remember he rebukes the church in Revelations? He says that you think you're on fire, but you're poor, blind, and naked. Not being clothed of anything because you're doing your own thing. And when we're naked, it's because we're not clothed in the full armor of God. We're not clothed in His righteousness. We're not obeying the Word. And we're not, when we're not obeying the Word, we're found naked because we have nothing to show forth to God. Because He said, if, will I find faith when I, when I come back in you? And in other words, He's, he's asking when he says, will I find faith? He's saying, will I find you clothed? Will you be in the spirit when I come back? Will you be wearing the garment of praise? Will you be wearing the white 
Will, you, will, will your white uh, robe not be stained? Will the spots and wrinkles be gone? This is what he's looking at. He's not saying clothed in, in a religious apparel or not clothed like, a, like, a, like someone who goes to the strip club. He's talking about in the spirit, in your heart. Are you clothed with the oil? That's what he's looking for. Like in that message this week, reproducing oil. The oil clothes us because the oil breaks the yoke in us. For we that are in the tabernacle do groan. He's saying this body. He's saying when he says the tabernacle. He said it earlier. Being burdened. So obviously there's a burden he's talking about. We all have a burden. of we, We're tired of this. You know, even though we have work to do here, we're ready to move on, ready to go on, ready for that day to come so I can be with him forever, so I can stop seeing all this pain. But you are the answer to that pain right now. And some people are just like, oh, I'm just waiting for that day. Well, guess what? That you're going to be surprised on that day because he was telling you to do something today and you didn't do it because you're waiting for that day and you're tired of the world. You're tired. Yeah, good. Be tired of the world. But it said that God so loved the world that he gave his son. And now you're his son. And now he's giving you to the nations. And now he's saying that I'm going to manifest the children of God. That the world is mating, uh, waiting for the manifestation of the children of God. And that's you. They're waiting for you. They're waiting for you to drink your cup. They're waiting for you to drink the cup of God's will. They're waiting for you to drink the cup of suffering and go through the wilderness and go through the things that you have to go through so that you can come and bring them salvation. So that you can come and bring them the anointing. And that you can break their yoke. For we that are in the tabernacle do groan being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon. See, clothed upon. He's being burdened because he wants, to, he wants that righteousness to be fulfilled in him. That mortality might be swallowed up of life. The things of this world, the carnal life. Now, I'm on five now. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. See, this is now his gift. We're groaning for immortality. Now he's given us an immortal being, the helper, the Holy Spirit. And this is how we get through it. See right there. Who has also given us unto the earnest of the Spirit, the will of the Spirit. In other words the wants, the groans, and we give in to that and it brings forth life in our life. Therefore, we are always confident. Confident why? Because of the earnest of the Spirit. Knowing that, willest we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. See, we just talked about that. We are confident, I say, and willing rather. So now he's saying we're willing to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So he's, see, do you notice that he's emphasizing about that, about moving on with eternity, about that day. He's motivating the church of, of Corinth to, to groan for that, to look to that day, not look to now because all those times that everything that we're going to go through in the next couple days, the next couple weeks, next couple years for the rest of our life, this thing this groaning for immortality, that day of judgment is going to motivate us to do what we need to do in the Spirit. And if you don't have that, then you think everything's fine. But, it's, but ju the judgment, that judgment day 
is the fear of the Lord to you. Not fear of being put in hell, but now it's fear of not wanting to be, but even though that is a consequence, but fear of not being in the glory. Excuse me. We are confident, eight. I say willing rather to be absent from the body than to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that we whether present or absent be well pleasing of Him. See? Well pleasing of Him. This is what we should be going after every day is to be well pleasing to Him. It's not this lie that they sell to you in religion and say, well, God is pleased with you and He's automatically pleased with you. Yeah, He's pleased with you, but He's not... If you're, not living, if you're not living the life that He's calling you to live, you're not pleasing to Him. It's not automatic. He's pleased with you. Every, everybody in the religion wants to make the Bible and what God and the kingdom about God's automatically giving it all to you. you if, as long as you know that He's real, as long as you believe in Him, it's automatically yours. He's pleased with you. You're going to heaven, eternal security, you name it. They have all the sayings. Oh, God loves you. Oh, God loves you. Oh, God loves you. Well, guess what? going to get a reality check. Why? But why get a reality check on that day? This is why we preach what, right now. This is why we're doing what we're doing. Because there will be a day and there will be people that listen to this and they needed this right now. Because they could have been standing on that day with blood on their hands. They could have been standing on that day and their, eyes their eyeballs could have came out of their sockets and their heart could have fallen from their chest. But this could save someone. You could save someone. And the fear of the Lord will, in you will bring the fear of the Lord in them. For we all must appear. See, now, see after it's saying well-pleasing to him, it's going right into this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body or her body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing there, see, this is where it is. I was mentioning earlier, I couldn't find it for a second. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So don't give me this thing where it's like, oh, but we can't be in fear. We can't, God's a loving God, or don't mind his wrath. But there is going to be a wrath, and this is part of why. It's not the whole reason why. It's because of the love of God, but part of it is the terror of the Lord. Part of, part of it is that day. Are you going to make it? But there's a confidence when you're obeying Him that you're going to make it. And it says that when you're obeying Him, it doesn't say it like this, but I'm paraphrasing. In other words, when you're following Him, you're obeying, you're doing what you're supposed to do. It says that, Inside your spirit, it, you will bear witness with the Holy Spirit that you are a son of God. And I tell you this, that you will even bear witness that you will stand before that day pure, unspotted, and clothed, and living in, and, and walking righteousness. And people have this lie out there too. Well, I'm hidden in Christ. Uh, as long as I believe in Him, I'm hidden in Him. So meaning, what they're saying is, Christ is righteousness, He's holy, as long as I'm believing in Him in the, in the sense of just thinking that He's real, because believing in Him is an application of, of, of faith every day. Because you can't believe in Him and then He comes and some people stop believing in Him because they left Him. Believing is a gift. So then they go, they say, well, I'm behind Him, so oh, I'm sinning. I can do all these sins. I can do whatever I want. 
as long as I stand behind him, as long as I'm hidden in Christ. Oh, I'm a wretched sinner. Oh, but he's there. He's in front of me. He's, but, it, but just like Elaine stated earlier, we don't even understand the grace of God. It's not the grace where he's like, oh, well, go ahead. You're in. I, my, everybody's accepted. Sin all you want. Go to, make sure you don't fall when you're coming out of the club. You're in. The grace of God. That's the lie they're selling. But the real grace of God that he's stressing, that he stresses over and over, is going boldly to the throne of grace. And what, he's, what is he talking about when he's saying? He's talking about empowerment not to sin. He's talking about empowerment to overcome. He's talking about empowerment to walk a holy, righteous, and pure life. He's talking about an empowerment for his heart to stand with the tests and trials. That's the grace that we need. That's the grace that we want. Why is the other grace? Because it says that there's many different types of grace, Paul said. But why are we not looking to the most important grace that li- helps us live like Jesus lived? He was a man too. But by the grace of God, he was able to walk out the plan of God. And by the grace of God, you will... And that's why people say when, they get, when something happens, they say, by the grace of God, I was saved because God intervened in whatever they were going through, and save them. And that's what we want. We want the grace, the grace of God that's labeled intervention of God. We need the intervening of God in our life. We need the empowerment of God. We need the, the uh, empowering that quickens our mortal body to do the will of God. That's the grace. It's not I'm hiding behind Him. Well, you are hidden behind Him when you're obeying. And I'm not saying there is truth to that in a sense that because you're not going to be necessarily perfect in the sense that you got, oh my God, you got all your ducks in a row. Maybe whatever the case may be, everybody's different. But as you're obeying him, you'll be hidden behind him because, and he'll stand before you as your advocate because he came down to, because the world will be judged by the law and everybody in, under Christ will be judged by their obedience to him. But it's not, okay, I'll just be judged by Christ. I, I, I won't, I'll be judged under Christ because I believe in him. No, it's because of our obedience to him. Because our following in Him, and even though we may have struggled in some senses, it's all covered because God knew our heart, and that's what makes us hidden in Christ. And we're hidden in Christ when we follow Christ, because we're, His leading is the thing that brings us to the state where the enemy runs when he's, when he's around us. The enemy flees when He's around us because He sees Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we, like Shane said, we win every battle because we know we're in Him. And it's not, and the other thing, I don't know why, because I'm hearing so many things on Facebook and so many people saying things about, they're saying, well, as long as we know we're in Christ or as long as we know that, but you better know, you only know that you're, you don't have to strive to know that you're in Christ. You only know that you're in Christ because it bears witness in your spirit because you're doing what he's having you do. It's because you're actually being a living sacrifice and you know you're in Christ. There's confidence, there's peace, joy, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost Amen. when we obey. But you're not in Him when you're not with Him and you're doing your own thing like the prodigal son. Don't say that, oh, as long as I believe, but you're doing your own thing. You're not in Him. To be in Him, that's where I get all the benefits. When I pay the cost, for me to have insurance, I can't get the benefits of the doctor and all that by just saying I want so-and-so insurance or Florida Blue, whatever it is over here. 
by, without paying the cost for it. I go to the doctor, I can't just be like, can you take care of me? I, I like Florida Blue. They're a good brand. Well, do you have your ID number? Isn't that what he asked you for? And if you don't have it, you don't get it. And that's just like in the kingdom. You don't have, you're not, you didn't pay the cost to get that. You don't have it. Sometimes they have grace on you, but then guess what? Then you have a bill that comes. But why have a bill that, and let the devil come and say, and take away everything you have because you didn't come into the kingdom with the right authorization? Because you didn't lay down your heart. Some people are getting benefits from God because God had grace on them or because they're applying, some people are applying godly principles to their life and they're actually seeing fruit in their life. Because it says when you sow a seed, there will be a harvest. But the funny thing is when they don't give up their whole life or when they're not, because people in the world actually use godly principles in a sense, in many, in many different instances. And then they see some fruit. But that fruit you'll tend to see in their life because they're not living a full life for Jesus, the devil now has authority over them because when God's not your God, the devil is the God over this world and then he comes and he takes away it all. He messes up your, your harvest. He messes up your crop field. And you see people that once had it all and they lost it all. Well, what happened? I was, I was putting God, I was waking up and reading the Bible every morning while I was tithing to the church. Yeah, you tithe and you reap the harvest, but then the devil came because you're, letting, you're, letting, you're not living, really living for him. You're not living a full, satisfying life to him. You're not well-pleasing to him. And now his hand is off your life. And the devil is able to take your crops out. Well, go ahead, keep growing crops. Keep doing, and people keep doing. They see the devil comes and messes up their, 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 their seed time and harvest or whatever. Then they plant more. Well, let me just plant more. Oh, I'm, I'm broke. Now I'm broke. Let me just sow a seed into the church. Let me just do this. And then grows, bam, grows, bam, grows, bam. Why go around the mountain anymore? And not just give it all to God and then you can keep growing and it never goes away. And then you have abundance. And that's the, th the lie in religion. Well, sow your seed and you will reap a harvest. And it's true and it happens. But then the devil comes and takes it all. That's what they don't understand. It all works. And I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about everything. It all works. Seeds sprout up. But if the devil still has authority over your life, it's gone. Wherefore we labor that we... Let me... No, I didn't do that wrong already. That everyone may receive the things done in the body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God. And I trust also... That we that are, I trust also are made manifest in your consciences, in your consciences, in your spirit. See, we are accountable, even though we're not under the law now. People say, well, we're not under the law, so we can do whatever we please. We're not under the law, but now your conscience has been wiped clean, and guess what? What happens with that conscience? That conscience starts convicting you. You start doing something and you start feeling conviction in your, or your conscience or your spirit, whatever it is. And Paul said, was able to have con uh, uh, confidence. He told him in Romans 9.1, he said, and I've, I, I, I go off this because this is, he even says in the Bible, he talks about, he says, 
I know that I tell the truth. My conscience bears witness with the Holy Ghost. Is your conscience bearing witness with the Holy Ghost or is your conscience condemning you? How many have read that CD from Marlene, Seared Conscience? Okay, a few of you, you got to listen to that. You got to listen to that. Because it's a segue of the Holy Spirit to know what He wants and what, when He's convicting us, when He's doing this, you feel it, you know it. Your spiritual, your spirit t lets you know. And now, by that, it says now it's, we're living by the law of God. So now God has now become our accountability. Instead, the law was once our accountability because we decided to be separated from God. See, the world is, since the world doesn't want to live from, by God, God has said, well, you don't want to live by me? Here's your own law because you can't just think that sin is right or, or doing wrong is right. So here, here's a law. You have to abide by that. And if you don't abide that, by that, you will, not be, you will be guilty on that day. So he's saying, fine, you want to live on your own? But if you want to live for eternity... There's your accountability. I'll be over here. Have fun obeying those Ten Commandments. But now we've been separated from the law, but now we're living to a higher standard because now we're not living by rules. We're living by Him. Straight to He's our law now. But if we don't know Him, we don't know the law of God. And if we don't know Him, we're still under the, the law of the flesh, the law of the Old Testament, because we're on the outside. And when we're in the kingdom, he convicts our conscience, he convicts our spirit, and that's our new law. Is when he comes and convicts, is when he comes and confirms, is when he comes and brings confidence, when he tells you, when he lets you know that this is me, when he brings the fire, when he brings the oil, when he brings all these things, he lets you know what's good and bad in the kingdom of God. And now we live to a deeper sense, and it's actually... A higher, uh, it's actually worse, it actually can be harder to live by that because the law you can do, as long as you didn't do those 10 things, you can do what you want and make it. But uh, now under Him, we have to live by giving up our life because that's what He requires when He comes to us in the Spirit. And we can't, some of us can't give up our life because we want to do our own thing. And that's what the judgment seat, see the white throne... It's for those in the world, those that weren't counted pure under the law, and the judgment seat of Christ will be Jesus' judgment where he will judge and say, Were you, did you give in to my convictions? Did you give in to what I told you to do? Did you obey me? Did you follow me? When I came in your spirit, did you know it was me and did you do it? That's what it's going to be like. I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. So he's saying, I trust. And what did he say before that? Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men that, but we are made manifest unto God. And he's saying, I trust that that bears, in other words, bears witness in your conscience, that your conscience lets you know. That you wouldn't be, um, what's that word? That you wouldn't be ignorant of the commands of God, that you wouldn't be ignorant of his will. And even Paul told them many times, Know my will in all things. Know his will in all things. Know the will of God. Because one day you're going to be accountable for that will. The will of God is going to be your new law when you stand before him. It's going to be the straight line that he was asked that he 
wants to know, did you abide by that? And, I, and what, however God has grace on people, I don't know. Maybe some people were under some bad pressure and they, they were trying not to give in. Whatever, I don't know. That's up to him, but don't roll the dice, like I said again. And I will say it for until I'm dead, don't roll the dice. Because I'm, nobody here is the judge. And nobody's going to be able to tell you you can only know from God. And this is his word that I'm reading to you today. And some of, some of us are already struggling with it. Don't roll the dice. But, when, but that standard that he wants you to live, the will of God, it's actually not so hard and it's a lot easier because when you're saying yes, he gives you the grace to do it. See, in the law, you had to abide by the rules, but he gave you no grace. He gave you no empowerment. You had to come up with the strength in your flesh. But when you're willing, when you have a willing mind and a willing heart, remember that message? He gives you the grace to do it. So really, you have no excuse. Well, I couldn't do it. It was, but where did you go to the throne of grace? He was ready. To, he was, he's going to empower you when you obey him, no matter what. And he will bring what the kingdom of God is about. Joy, peace, and righteousness with it. Because people think if they just obey God and they, God tells them to go to some far off country, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's going to suck. But joy, peace, and righteousness will be your portion. Joy, peace, and righteousness is better than any amount of money you can ever have. Because you know why many people are looking for money? Because they're looking for peace. Because they're looking for joy. That's why, think about that. That's why people are looking for money. That's why people want more money. Because it's about having peace and security and joy. But how about having all those things without even having a dollar to your name? That's what I want. Because when that money fluctuates, my peace and joy are going to be fluctuating. I don't want that. Sure, we need money. Sure, it would be great to have a lot of money. But I don't want my peace and my insights to be dictated by that. Let it be said that every night before I go to sleep, before you go to sleep, that you can be at peace with God. Because it said that the peace of God will guard your hearts against the enemy. Even the enemy can't disrupt your heart when you're at peace with him. So what should you be fighting for? You shouldn't be fighting him. You should be fighting, pe having peace with God. If that means aligning your life, if that means doing this, doing that, whatever he's having you do, find out. Get at peace with God. And it will rule your hearts and you won't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by every entangling of the enemy, by that sin that so easily entangles you. You can't overcome that sin that you're struggling with because the peace of God is not ruling your heart. You're trying to make that one part of your life good. And you think that if you make that one part of your life good, it'll be all good with God. But he's saying, those, that, all the parts that you don't care about, that I care about, you need to go attend to that. And then all you see is that thing disappears. Take care of the one thing and I'll take care of all the other things. Take care of the, one part of your, take care of the part of your life that I'm telling you to do and you'll be 100%, you'll be made whole. You'll be made whole. For we command us, and here he goes with this, for we command, we command not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf. So he's saying, for you to not glory in us, but glory, see, we can't, we can't expect the work that other men and women are laying down. We can't expect the life that they're living to be a, a testament for our life. We have to live, we have to walk our own godly life. 
We can't expect to hear Shane, to hear Elaine, and to hear me, to hear Marlene, or whoever else comes up here to be our new tech. Well, I listen to that man. I listen to that woman. They're not going to get you in heaven. They're showing you the way, but you got to walk it. I can only bring you, we can only bring you to the water, but you got to drink it. I may help you, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to you. That yet may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. And it's not gonna, on that day, it's not going to be about appearance on that day. And it's going to be even worse because it's going to be about your heart. Because your heart will hold many more, can potentially, when you're not with God, when you're not walking with Him, when you're not obeying Him, your, your heart will hold bigger Things that are much bigger of a deal than the things in, in, that, are, that have to do with your appearance or, or character or whatever. Your heart is the most important thing to God. And out of the heart flows the issues of life. And the things that you do in the flesh are dictated by your heart anyway. So you're worried about the things that you're doing, but worry about the seed, the, the, the ground right here. Worry about this ground. And then all the things you're doing in the flesh, they will be dictated by the glory that's in your heart. But it's the heart. Not appearance. It's the heart. That's what he's going to judge. The, remember he said the secrets of man. The secrets of man are the heart. Because no one in this room can tell me, no one in this room can look at each other's heart and tell them what's in it unless they have discernment from God. I don't know, you don't know everybody's heart in this room or out there, but only God knows. And whether I know or you know or anybody else knows what's in somebody's heart, God sees it all anyway. And it will be, come to the judge on that day in front of everybody, in front of him, in front of the people that you're worried about. It will come to the forefront. And if you are submitted to him and you gave that thing to him, guess what? It won't even be there anymore. And I pray that for all of us. That whatever it is, Shatira put on that song, the oil song from YouTube that you were asking about. And I pray that this will be the cry of your heart. That any, if anything is holding you back today, if, any, if there's anything that you can say that will be at the throne that you feel would hold you back, would, would hold you back from God, give it to Him today. Submit, buy oil. Go buy oil. Because there will be a day of judgment. But it's going to be the ones who have the oil. Just put your hands out right now. Father. Say, Father. Father. We want to be blameless before you, God. We want to be well-pleasing before you, God. We want you to keep us burning, Father. We want us to be found blameless on that day. And from this day forward, Father, let all the things that are holding us back, let it be dead. That I can walk in confidence. That I can walk in the real grace of God. And that this day wouldn't torment me anymore, but that it would motivate me. That it would drive me. That it would get me focused on the plan of God, on an eternity with you. 
Change my eyesight, Father. Give me oil. We're going to pray for oil. When you, when you come up for prayer, we're going to pray for oil. We buy oil, Father, through repentance. We buy oil by submitting it all to you. And as our body burns through the fire, as our flesh burns through the fire, fire oil is being produced. Thank you, Jesus. Fill us right now, God. Touch us right now, Father. Bring the fear of the Lord in this room. Bring the fear of the Lord in this room, God.